coming up. She told me, you know, when you look at that video of the suspect, she said someone went home with blood on their clothes that night. Someone came home with blood on them. For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Crime. By all accounts, Miss Jones was an outgoing and extremely well-liked 26-year-old woman. Though she hadn't lived in the city for very long, uh, it seems she made a very strong impression on everybody that she met here and had developed a, a very strong core group of friends in a short amount of time. Last year, 26-year-old Taylor Jones moved out to New Orleans from Boston. She was a singer and wanted to pursue dreams of a music career. But within months, she would be attacked in her own home. This incident occurred a few days before Christmas on December 21st at about five in the morning. Uh, EMS and NOPD personnel responded to a 911 call in the 700 block of Lesseps. They encountered Miss Jones who had sustained multiple stab wounds inside of her own uh, residence. Uh, she was transported to University Medical Center uh, where she was pronounced deceased shortly thereafter. Investigators have been trying to find her killer since and they hope Video captured on a security camera near Taylor's residence will help them do it. If there's anything about this individual that seems at all relevant or recognizable to you, please reach out and let us know. Mike McDaniel joins us from WWL-TV in New Orleans, where in December, a young woman named Taylor Jones was stabbed to death in her home. Mike, you've been following up on this story and recently spoke with a friend and coworker of Taylor's. Let's start with that conversation. What kinds of memories did she share with you? You know, this was a woman who had just recently started working with Taylor at Cafe Negril. You have to be able to have a good time to work here, you know, and t- Taylor, it, it was just, she just fit right in here. This was back in the fall of 2021, probably a couple of months before Taylor was found dead in her apartment. This they quickly bonded. Um, when I was speaking with Jennifer Trahan, she would routinely say that Taylor was so motivated. Taylor would come to work and she was aggressive. She was a people person and she was there to do a job. And that's kind of how they bonded. And then one night, Taylor was thrown behind the bar because they were short-staffed. And Jennifer was one of the, um, the lead bartenders here. So they really kind of connected there. And then they started connecting over food, like bringing in tacos and chips. Jennifer would talk about how they would just eat chips, even though Taylor didn't really like them. And they just developed this relationship that Jennifer never saw coming. And then one night in particular, Jennifer told me about, it was really, really foggy in New Orleans and they got off work. It was around 4 a.m. The fog was just so thick in the city of New Orleans. And one thing that is just so iconic in the fog in New Orleans is when you're in the French Quarter. Uh, it's just so poetic, just kind of walk through the streets of New Orleans and see how the fog envelops, the, um, it, especially the cathedral. And that's what they wanted to go get photos of. So Jennifer asked Taylor, hey, would you mind walking with me to go get these photos? And Taylor was all about it. And so they took all these wonderful photos just before Christmas uh, in the French Quarter with this heavy fog. And those photos now mean so much to Jennifer because they were some of the last photos that they did together. Those pictures are always going to mean something to me. And they were, it just was such a beautiful experience, you know, and it was one of those lessons where seizing the moment really mattered. And she will always kind of, kind of cherish those memories and that, that spontaneity that Taylor had 
that's one thing that she holds really dear uh, from the friendship that they had. You mentioned this was shortly before Christmas. Can you walk through what happens then on the night of December 20th, not too long after? Yeah, so Taylor goes home as she normally does um, in the Bywater neighborhood, which is just east of downtown New Orleans. And the next morning, uh, her roommate comes in, finds her, stabbed multiple times. She's rushed to the hospital, and that's where she died. So there's a lot of unanswered questions as to what happened the night of the 20th when she went home versus early morning hours of the 21st, which is when she was found dead by her roommate or found stabbed multiple times by her roommate, later died at the hospital. So detectives from the New Orleans Police Department are trying to put this story together. They're trying to figure out what's going on. They were finally able to come across some surveillance video. Subsequent follow-up investigation, we were able to obtain video footage uh, in the area of Poland and Dauphine, which uh, we believe depicts uh, the suspect perpetrator of this incident. And that's pretty much the only clue that we have, or at least that we know about in this case. It's of someone who police believe is the suspect walking toward Taylor's apartment just before the murder happened and then running away on the same camera. You can see the same person running away from the apartment building after what authorities say would have been the time of the murder. The clip itself is two short segments spliced together uh, and it shows this unidentified individual walking through a, a parking lot in the in the area in the direction of the victim's apartment um, and then about half an hour later, sprinting away from that direction through the same parking lot uh, at about the time of our incident. It's a suspect um, wearing all dark clothing, a hood. And so it's really hard to make this person out. And something that, you know, I find very rare to happen with the New Orleans Police Department is for a detective who is in charge of a homicide case to come forward and explicitly talk about it. Usually it's done through a, a public information officer or the chief, and that's kind of where any media statement stops. So in this case, the detective who's in charge actually came out. I can be reached personally, Detective Fife, at uh, 504-658-5300. And did a little news conference trying to find the suspect, telling people to pay close attention to the way the suspect walked, to the way the suspect ran. And especially when it comes to, uh, there's like a, a belt buckle or some type of keychain or something hanging from the waistband of the suspect. A potentially distinct uh, keychain or belt buckle that seems to be dangling from the front of their waistband. So the detective was really trying to harp on the fact that he wants people to pay, pay attention to this. If this looks familiar to anyone, to kind of call an OPD and let them know. So that really shows you that this detective is taking this to heart. He's really, really trying to find who did this because this is the only clue right now that we have. And thankfully, the surveillance video does exist. But at this point, we still don't know what happened that night of the 20th and then what transpired the night of the morning of the 21st. I've watched that surveillance footage. And, and as you did mention, there really isn't a lot you can make out. Even that that keychain or belt buckle, whatever it is flashing, it, it's really difficult to, to make out what exactly that is. Have police said at this point if they believe this could have been someone who knew Taylor, anything like that? We don't know, and, and friends don't know that as well. There's a lot of speculation that this could be someone who does know them, mainly because when you think about the crime, Taylor was stabbed multiple times. in her Inside her apartment, no signs of forced entry that we know of. The friend that I spoke to, Jennifer, her coworker, said that um, belongings weren't taken that she knows of. Taylor's wallet wasn't taken that she knows of. 
And the fact that there was no forced entry just says to her that this is more on the personal side of things as opposed to some type of robbery or, you know, any attempt at, you know, any other crime other than it being some some intended target. But police have not said whether that's the case. You mentioned that it was the roommate who called 911. Have you had a chance to listen to that 911 call or or because this is still an open case, have police decided not to release that yet? One thing in uh, here, we don't they don't release 911 calls, especially when it's part of investigations. I have not heard that 911 call. I, I don't know if anyone else has. I don't expect it to be released. Um, it, it's just not what happens here. Tell us a little bit more about Taylor Jones. I know that like a lot of people who move out to New Orleans, she'd gone out there to pursue a passion for music. Yeah, New Orleans is a epicenter when it comes to culture and music, and Taylor knew that. She was determined to move to New Orleans to begin her singing career. She was apparently an incredible singer, according to her friends. I've never heard her personally. But friends would say that she has just just unique voice that really sets her apart. And she was on her way to making it into the music scene. She was making connections here in New Orleans, and people were really starting to know her name. She would do karaoke. She would perform at different bars around the city, and people were really starting to follow her. And because she had this tenacity and this drive to really succeed, friends really felt that it was just a matter of time before she really, really launched her music career. She was determined to make it happen, and and she loved music. That's one of the reasons she started working at Cafe Negril is because they're a, a big live music venue, so she got to be around that every night when she was at work. So that really helped her get, in the foot, get her foot in the door as well and make some connections through work. And she was able to really, you know, land gigs that way. And that's really, really became her drive here in New Orleans was to succeed. And friends thought she was well on the way. It's clear from following your reporting and talking to you, this is a case that so many people want to see solved. What do investigators think it'll take to actually make that happen? It's going to take somebody to come forward because as I spoke with the friend, the coworker, Jennifer, she told me, you know, when you look at that video of the suspect, she said someone went home with blood on their clothes that night. Someone came home with blood on them. And in New Orleans, it's a small community when you think about big cities in general. New Orleans is a tight community and police know that it's going to take someone to come forward from the community because there is a piece of information somewhere that someone's not saying, or there's a piece of information that someone doesn't think is important or won't matter, but it does. And that's what it, it is going to have to happen for police to kind of figure this out or for the suspect in particular. There is a reward for this case. Can you tell us about that? So there's a Crime Stoppers reward that was automatically put in place um, because that's what Crime Stoppers does. But when it comes to her friends, they wanted to do more. So they held a vigil. They held fundraisers. They raised more money. There was even a GoFundMe account to help add to the pot of this reward to try and find information to lead to a suspect in this case. So that now stands at $7,500. There is still work being done to raise more money, to add more money to the mix to hopefully entice someone to come forward. And it just goes to show you when you have friends like this coming together, that they, they're not giving up. Um, these friends want to make sure that this case is solved. They loved Taylor and they're going to do whatever they can 
forever how long it takes to try to find the person who killed her. When you lose somebody like that, especially so brutally and in such a horrible way, it, it's not going to sit easy. So we're not going to stop, you know, until we figure this out. Mike McDaniel with WWL-TV in New Orleans. Thanks for sharing this story. Absolutely. And thanks, as always, to you for listening to this episode of The Daily Crime. We're here with a new one every day of the week, Monday through Friday. So make sure you're subscribed to or following the podcast wherever it is you're listening right now. If you're looking for more podcasts, you can head over to vaultstudios.com for a full list of our shows. That includes our weekly podcast, True Crime Chronicles. That'll do it for this one. Until next time, for Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond.